Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome into the Baseball Insiders for this beautiful Thursday Wild Card Weekend is upon us. And again, that means baseball now in addition to the NFL. So in your face, football, we have our own Wild Card Weekend. Friday, Saturday, probably Sunday too. Pretty exciting way to start the playoffs. Best two out of three. Uh, the October Madness is here. The regular season is over. All the games started at the same time in game 162. It didn't matter at all. There were no tiebreakers to break. No ties to resolve. Division settled. Everybody is ready to go full throttle. And joining me, as always, is Robert Murray. Robert, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm good. I am very good. Uh, I have a stress-free weekend ahead of me of just enjoying the sport of baseball that we love because the Yankees do not play until next week. So that's sick. Uh, but before we really get into the madness, there's a lot of playoff baseball to talk about. There is a lot of managerial shuffling that has already been done in addition to the stuff that we know will be happening. Uh, But we were in the baseball community dealt some pretty unfortunate news earlier today. And I know you wanted to start here before we moved on. Yeah. um, Sarah Langs, who is wonderful and works for MLB.com, announced earlier today that she has ALS. um, And we just wanted to extend our best to her. Um, I don't know Sarah well. Um, but every time that I've gotten to talk to her and like gotten to talk to people who know her, everybody just talks about how much of a ray of sunshine she is. And we just want to wish her our best. And if she needs anything, both Adam and I are here for her. So we're, we're thinking of you, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, this kicked me in the stomach. I don't know Sarah either, but a one of a kind presence on baseball Twitter and nobody had anything but positive things to say about her and the way she fights. So uh, I know she's going to tackle this the way that only she can. And and yeah, Sarah, uh, thinking of you, pulling for you, and and you're the greatest at what you do. So um, yeah, and, and the, the postseason is upon us. What a time uh, to, to make that sort of announcement, uh, you know, history-making regular season. Uh, obviously, Sarah has so much on her plate, as we all do, but she still decided that she needed to make it known today. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we all know so that we can all fight with her. Um, history-making regular season, it really was. Uh, the off-season managerial carousel is in full swing. Uh, we said goodbye to some old records. We said goodbye to some fan favorites. Um, I don't know what the Aaron Judge 60-second home run was. Oh, and great job on the CHGO pod yesterday, Bert. Uh, if anybody missed uh, Bert's appearance, feel free to go and grab that one because uh, he, he did a great job. How, how was that experience? It was, it was wonderful. Um, I ended up, Carm gave them some dirt on me about how I said I'd eat a shoe if Juan Soto got traded. Um, and they played that clip live on air. And then somehow I ended up agreeing to um, dye my hair blonde if Craig Council became the next White Sox manager. So it was only like a 20-minute segment, but a lot happened clearly. But um, thank you, Alex, for tuning in. Very kind of you. But yeah, hopefully I don't have blonde hair. I'm feeling pretty confident, though. Like, I I was so nervous about this that I actually checked. I'm like, I, I asked people with the Brewers, I'm like, is there actually a shot that Craig Council could leave? And no, that's that's not – he's not going anywhere. And by the way, I don't think David Stearns is either. Um, I know there's been a bunch of rumors connecting him to the Mets, but if I was a, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on him staying in Milwaukee this year. Or, yeah. Uh, people have, uh, speaking of someone who's in New York right now, people have been doing the David Stearns Mets dance forever. And then every off season, it gets rebutted. I feel like we're ready for another one of those. Uh, have you ever dyed your hair before? Would this be a first time? That would be a first time. I have not touched my hair. Like before I would say probably four or five years ago, my hair was like four or five inches maybe. Um, and now we got like the, the military cut. So, I mean, that would, 
going from long hair to short hair, then to blonde. Um, that'd be diving into the deep end, man. That would be, I don't know if I could pull that off. I think you could, uh, but not me. Do you really think that I could though? Or are you just saying that? I mean, I, I have no confidence in myself to pull off blonde hair. I think, I think you have a better shot than I do. Like I genuinely mean that. So you next episode, you- you're having blonde hair. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it if yeah, I'll do it if Juan Soto gets one hit at City Field. That's it, just one. Uh, I'll eat a shoe and dye my hair blonde. You have you keep it so high and tight though. You could bury it under the hat. Like no one would. Re- you could say you did it and not have done it. That's true. I could. I didn't even think about that. That uh, although I want I want uh, our lovely producers Michael Zach and Sean Daly uh, to clip the what Adam just said about him dyeing his hair blonde and eating a shoe if Juan Soto gets one hit. One that's it so, uh yeah i should have said uh i should have said in san diego in the wild card series then i would have been home free because somebody there's a somebody on twitter the other day <laughs> somebody went after one of the barstool guys and was like the yankees are about to lose in the nlds i promise you and he's like if the yankees lose in the nlds i will pay you one billion dollars uh so i should have done that i should have said juan soto uh playing in a stadium he won't be playing in uh, we don't have to talk about Aaron Judge for long, and obviously we got playoff preview ahead of us. We got round by round. We got managerial changes. There's so much going on. Uh, but he did hit his 60-second homer, which was up for grabs the last time we spoke. Um, yep. However, he also wrapped the season with 15 games of two homers. You know, a lot of walks, a lot of pitch arounds, a lot of, you know, baseball's a different game when you have to hit a home run every time up or people are bored of you and booing you. So it's understandable. He slowed down a little bit, but crossed 60, everybody got their judge Otani arguments out of the way saying, you know, Otani wouldn't beat anybody else in an MVP race, but he might beat Otani because of how historic this season was. Uh, 62 was such a foregone conclusion at that point that I feel like the length of that chase only dampened his mvp case a little bit because people got frustrated with how long it took otani had a near no hitter during that period he kept on keeping on judge finally does cross the 61 barrier hit 62 and then bent you know immediately is benched by iron boot doesn't play the finale i know you're on record as somebody who is already an otani for mvp guy uh did that opinion change at all since you first registered it and do you think any of the momentum is going Otani's way instead of judges? So I was on team Otani. Now I am firmly on team Aaron judge for MVP. Um, this is not a slight on Shohei Otani. Like I tweeted something a little bit ago um, that Otani still feels underappreciated somehow, which I don't know how that's possible. I guess being on a bad team certainly can do that, but um what Otani has done is is beyond the word special. He's basically like Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and Matt Olson combined into one. Um, and that just – we've never seen that before. He's a unicorn. But Aaron Judge, um, I've heard that argument that you made about him ta- – or about it taking Judge so long to get to 62 home runs, like kind of like hurting his MVP chances. I want to make one thing clear is like obviously it did take him a lot, but – one, you got to think of the frenzy that was surrounding him and how much he was dealing with away from baseball. I mean, that's a lot for any player to take on, but then you put that player in New York, and that's a that's a huge task. But two, baseball is freaking hard, man. Um, he like you, you go up and expect Judge to hit a home run just because he's Aaron Judge, um, but hitting a home run is not easy. And baseball, I learned early on, is a game of failure. You fail more times than you succeed. Um, and he, yet, even though he didn't hit that home run, he was still a very good player. He was walking a bunch. I mean, teams were kind of pitching around him. I know you've been pretty adamant about that. But he's getting on base. He's getting hits. Just wasn't hitting the long ball. Um, I'm not su- like I'm not surprised he eventually did it. Um, but, like, baseball is hard, and I think we should remember that. And He should be the MVP. I love to hear from you. Uh, I don't know how much longer I have with him on my baseball team. And before we move on to so many managerial changes and <laughs> footnote, the postseason series that are about to start, which we do have to talk about. Um, there was a Buster only report this week that the Giants are waiting in the weeds 
to outbid the Yankees for Judge, that they have a larger offer prepared. Not going to harp on it, but does that echo anything that you're hearing, or is that market still so far away from being clarified that we can't really know for sure? Yeah, I think we're we're pretty far away from um, knowing exactly what is going to happen. But that being said, I firmly believe that the Giants are going to be involved on Judge. Um, like that's where he grew up. They have a huge need for a player like that. They have money to spend. I mean, it, all the stars align for the Giants to pursue Judge. Um, but I still think that the the Yankees are the leaders in the clubhouse here. There's just there's so much working in their favor. Um, I, I I think that the Yankees are number one. But that being said, I mean, if a team comes strong and offers him a deal that he can't refuse, then I think there's a a shot that he leaves New York. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if somebody offers him a deal that just makes him go like, whoa. Um, just I mean. Obviously, he's he's above thirty, um, so that's going to be hurting him a little bit. But he's Aaron Judge, man. He's hitting sixty-two home runs in his walk year, um, the MVP most likely. I mean, there, it's not often you have a chance at a player like that. So I think there's going to be some team that offers him quite a bit. Yeah, and there was certainly a time a couple of days ago when we were like, ah, sixty-two is a nice pipe dream. Probably not going to happen now. Season petering out. Got to get some rest. And look what he does. He delivers anyway. First at bat of the second game of that doubleheader. Makes history. Call it what you will. Doesn't have to be the official record in the record book for it to be historic. 62 is passing a number embedded in history, no matter what you believe to be the legit home run record. Both you and I are on record saying it's Barry Bonds. It did happen. 73. Team Bonds, baby. It happened. We're both team Bonds. Uh, but that doesn't mean that a Yankee crossing a Yankees 61 and turning it into 62 doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, I think this made him more of a fabric of the franchise than ever. I agree that they should be the favorite in the clubhouse, but if any team, we said this last week, if any team's going to do it, my voice is cracking because clearly I'm upset. It's the giants. Um, and it, it probably still is the giants in that number two spot or coming up behind the Yankees. Yep. I think you're exactly right. Voice crack and all, um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I had to. No, I'm um, nervous in the chat because I see Mark Powell calling me out for eating a hat once. Uh, I did, I did eat did? a hat. I did eat a hat once. Uh, I said, uh, and I don't know if you remember that the Red Sox in 2018 were, I don't know, like racing towards a franchise record for wins, and there was a rumor that they were going to DFA Hanley Ramirez in the middle of nowhere, like nowhere like they were already in first place and he had like 15 homers and they were like yeah they're gonna dfa hanley ramirez and i was like literally no chance if they do that yeah if they do that i'm gonna eat a hat i'll eat a red Sox hat and they dfa'd him like 20 minutes later and i went out and bought a (laughs) bought a red Sox hat uh on the company dime shout out to uh expensify reimbursements and (laughs) uh i put some ketchup and hot sauce on it and i did cut off a piece of fabric and eat it so never again hopefully Wait, did you like cook it? Did you like what'd you do? Did you just eat it? Like, I was gonna say raw, but like, yeah, it was raw. raw. It was a raw hat. Uh, no, I put a lot of sauce on it and I only ate like a little bit of fabric. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't eat a hat. I ate a fleck of a hat, but yeah, I, I did eat it. Well, I, that's not what you promised. I think we still need to have you eat a hat on the baseball inside. Here. We could, we could, and I just said I would eat a shoe for Juan Soto. So who am I to judge? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
let's move on to the uh, the managerial carousel, which uh, yep. I knew. I think we all knew it was going to start quickly, but I didn't know if we knew it was going to start quite this quickly before game 162 was even in the books. Phil Nevin was re-upped on a one-year deal as the Angels manager. He got emotional. It was his first ever official major league contract as a manager, like a show of faith in some capacity. And we could debate how much faith exactly they're showing in him. But he would, you know, obviously went from interim to the manager for 2023. Talked a lot about the people who got him there. Uh, but this was just a couple of hours, basically, after you said on Monday that the Angels were sort of one of the hot jobs. Uh, wasn't that a hot job? And and what does Phil Nevin returning for next year really mean in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, so the Angels are definitely an intriguing job, um, but not quite yet. And there's a few reasons here. Is Artie Marino is he has already made it clear that he's going to sell the team or that he's open to selling the team. And if they hired, if they've ended up looking for a new manager now. Um, there's a legitimate chance that person would be in the job for one year because the new owner is going to want to hire his own people. Um, and then that would significantly limit um, their candidate field for this year. Um, and Phil Nevin is obviously, like, I know Yankees fans are not particularly fond of him, um, but he's been regarded in previous seasons as like a good managerial candidate. Um, and this is his chance to, um, to showcase that. Um, and I, I'll tell you, it, it would have been just, it would have been very tough for them to find a, a good candidate for this year. Um, and even then, um, I wonder how difficult it's going to end up being for Nevin to fill out the rest of his coaching staff for this year. Um, because there's, I mean, there's people in baseball who have concerns um, for those same reasons about how long they're going to end up being there. Um, so it's, uh, I mean, it's a tough situation, but that's primarily the reason why is what I just outlined is they think Nevin is a good candidate, but also the Artie Moreno factor with selling the team and the uncertainty that lies ahead. Yeah. And there's plenty of uncertainty remaining. It's not as if they oh, like, yeah. we, oh, we solved uncertainty. We, we gave Phil Nevin a one-year deal. So that's done. Like, oh, yeah. It yeah. It, it sucks though, because like, I mean, it's, it just, feels like they're not maximizing the primes of Otani and Mike Trout. And that's really frustrating to me. Um, Cause like, I mean, am I wrong for thinking they're the two most talented players in baseball? No, no, I don't think and, so. I mean, and yet they, they still can't win. They like, they are perennially like underwhelming um, despite having those two players. And it's just baseball would be, I mean, baseball is like in a good spot right now. I think, I think, I think anybody can agree with that. Um, but it is, it would be so much better if we had the Angels and Otani and Mike Trout in the playoffs too. And Mike Trout, you know, ha- what was the storyline that dominated the early summer? Like, ooh, spine issues. Oh, a rare condition. You know, we don't know if he'll ever be the same. Can he play through it? And what does he do? He hit his 40th homer of the season, like that as the season wrapped. He's, he's as good as ever. Yeah. Who would have thought? I mean, because we had all those concerns. Like, I mean, even their, what was it? Their medical doctor spoke on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, everybody's pressing the panic button. And then all of a sudden Mike Trout was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like it's not as bad as it seems. And now he's hitting 40 dingers, as you said. And I mean, it looks like Mike Trout. So, I mean, that's pretty freaking good. Also, we got a question here from Will Holder. That I yeah. I, I was about to move into the Otani stuff anyway. So it's a perfect transition uh, just because, yeah. you know, you talk about uncertainty. Nevin's on a one year deal. Congrats to him, but that's sort of the textbook definition of a lame duck. This also just happens to be the winter where Otani's got that $30 million deal, avoided ARB, good, and yet he's still going to be the hottest potential trade conversation on the market this winter because we don't know what that franchise's long-term future is like, and we know what their recent term past has been. It's been defined by squandering Otani and Trout's prime. So Shohei Otani, does this one-year managerial deal make it more or less likely that those trade conversations get serious? And what about destinations? Is is Cleveland one for you? I wouldn't think so. Um, Just because Cleveland has not been a team that has paid players when it's been time to um, extend them for 
big dollar amounts. I know they did it with Jose Ramirez, um, but he he left money on the table there. But that was a that was a team friendly deal. Um, so I, I don't think Cleveland is that likely of a destination. Um, I, I think, I mean, Will is a Padres fan. Um, I'm sure the Padres will check in and see what it'll, what it'll take to get Otani. Uh, Dodgers too. Um, I mean, I think any team should check in on Shohei Otani just cause like it's Shohei freaking Otani. Um, but that being said, I would call it unlikely that he's traded between now and next season uh, or the start of next season, mainly because I don't see Artie Moreno being or being willing to be the, the owner who trades Shohei Otani. Um, I think he'll want the next owner to do that. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's going to end up being uh, more likely than not that, that Otani is going to be an angel at the start of next year. I will say this though. Um, they like, when teams were calling the angels about Otani at the deadline, they weren't hanging up. Like there was like a very, and I mean, very slim chance that he was traded, but ultimately they decided to hold on to him because there was, they just didn't want to, they, they just didn't want to trade him. Um, that's what it all is at the end of the day. I also got to respond to this text real quick. So take it away. Of course. I mean, the, you've already got to eat one shoe based on your Soto prediction at the deadline. I feel like if Otani had been traded, you would have had to probably eat a pair of, of Nike hyperdunks, and I would have been right there along with you. Like, we, we had to talk about it because when a name like Otani, having a season like Otani, hits the market that has already been awakened by a Soto chase, like, of course it's we're going to do segments about it. But a mid-season Otani trade felt like one of the most ridiculous possible outcomes. And, I mean, to me, it, it, the nugget that they did not hang up quickly is enough to say like, oh, wait a minute. Like, all right, like of course they didn't get a trade done. But the fact that people aren't hanging up the phone and, and, and are having that talk all the way through the deadline, that does signal something. No, it most definitely does. And like, I mean, that's what any good team does is they, they listen. They don't hang up the phone. They're like, okay, yeah, well, listen, what are you willing to offer? And more times than not, they're not teams aren't going to be willing to offer what it's going to take. Um, and those deals are ultimately aren't going to get done. It would take an absolutely massive haul to get Shohei Otani. And like, and that being said, um, the Padres were even confident that like they still had the players to get Otani even after getting Juan Soto. Like, I mean, I don't know how possible that actually is to add Otani to the books there, especially now he's making thirty million and he's probably going to. I'm telling you, man, that free agency number might top fifty. Um, or it's, or it yep. might be around the $50 million a year mark. Um, it's going to end up being a freaking massive number. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you that, uh, it's going to be the story that dominates headlines for the next year, a year and a half. Like where is Shohei Otani going to end up playing in the long term? I have no idea, but I'm sure we're going to be talking plenty about that on this space here. That is for sure. It's hilarious because you can't even really use his contract as a comparable. Like Aaron Judge can look at Mike Trout and be like, I want to beat that. Or Bryce Harper's AAV. Like who on earth is going to be trying to beat Otani's like pitcher, like ace level pitcher and all-star level hitter AAV. Like nobody's going to be walking in the room being like, give me Otani money. Like Ronald Guzman at AAA for the Yankees trying to become a pitcher and first baseman. Like there, there's, there's like two Anthony goes in the Cleveland bullpen. There, there are not a lot of people who go hitter to pitcher and those people aren't exactly worth the 50 million. So uh, best of luck if you're trying to use Otani's next deal as an argument in your favor. Yeah. Cause it's not going to go well. I mean, I, I, I have, I have wondered this though, once he gets that contract and people just see how much that, that contract is going to be, how many players or how many people are going to try to be the next Shohei Otani? Um, I've wondered that. I don't. I mean, obviously, we don't know the answer to that, but I think that can end up being something that's pretty interesting to follow here. Yeah, especially like the it, next five to ten years. The Angels are the only ones with Shohei Otani right now. They will not be forever. But the reason it's an attractive job and an attractive conversation all boils down to one man. And so wherever that man goes, we will follow. If anybody wants to make his money, you're right. They're going to be training early to give it their best shot at being the next Shohei Otani. Uh, a franchise that is in more flux than the Angels isn't fair, but 
significantly uh the power is up for grabs in kansas city also yesterday at right after the season wrapped uh with a roster full of rookies and a lineup full of a bunch of fresh faces the kansas city royals fired mike matheny their manager cal eldred their pitching coach who everybody uh does not have a great things to say about throughout the game dayton moore is also gone the architect of the last Royals world series team they really turned things over to the kids in the second half. They still went 25 and 35 in August, September, and October, which is an improvement. But this was a team that saw wild card potential entering the season, knowing they had a full year of Bobby Witt Jr. and Pascantino and Melendez waiting and Nick Prado waiting. And they eventually handed the keys over to those guys when the season was too far gone. Uh, where does this job sort of fall on the attractiveness scale for you? You know, it's a good question. And... I do think there is some intrigue because uh, J.J. Piccolo is viewed as a very good guy to lead the front office. They got some very good young talent, Bobby Witt Jr., um, some young pitchers who have not reached their ceiling quite yet. Um, but if you get them the right player development people and right pitching coaches, then you're certainly looking at some like higher-end young arms. Um and the Royals are genuinely just viewed as a good organization to work for. That being said, I do wonder what they're going to end up looking for in this next manager. And the answer to that is they're going to want someone who's forward thinking, who looks into numbers a lot more than their previous regime did, um, who um, is going to end up maximizing that talent on the field. And I don't think they're going to look in-house. I think they will certainly consider those in-house options. Um, but like when, um, when it comes down to hiring somebody, I think it's, I think it's going to end up being somebody outside the organization just because they don't want, like, they know that their view publicly is that they're very loyal to their guys inside the organization and probably to a fault. Um, I mean, you can look at, I'm struggling to remember his name, um, but the Tigers bench coach under AJ Hinch, um, is somebody who's been getting some managerial buzz. I do wonder if a guy kind of like Clayton McCullough with the Dodgers could be a candidate here. Um, I mean, there's plenty of different guys who um, are going to be under consideration there. Um, But I I think the cream of the crop job right now is the White Sox. Um, And then basically everybody else following. And that's definitely where I wanted to go next because we spoke uh, on Monday about, you know, the job is obviously open. LaRusse is stepping away for a number of reasons. Um, and we talked about the need to inject a different voice into that locker room. And there was a time this fall when I think people thought, oh, uh, we did it. And it's Miguel Cairo. Like, oh, mission accomplished. You know, needed a younger voice and we found one. So that's that. But now, uh, you know, what remains clear is that they do need that change of tone. But it's it's unclear to me who that's going to be. And and what the options look like on Monday, you weren't, uh, you know, quite sure which direction they would go. Um, and I know you wanted to talk about this. Do you have a little more clarity now in terms of what Chicago's next steps will be? Yeah, I would say like, there's some names that I think deserve watching with the white Sox. I think Joe Espada with the Houston Astros makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I think a guy like Carlos Beltran, um, could make a lot of sense here. And I know I mentioned that one on the CHGO podcast yesterday that I think Beltran would be a really good fit for that roster for a number of reasons. And their immediate response to me was that it's going to receive a lot of backlash because he was fired by the Mets before even managing a game um, because he was involved in the Astro sign stealing stuff. And you know what? If there's one thing I learned with Jerry Reinsdorf, is that he doesn't give a damn about backlash. Uh, he, he's the one who hired Tony La Russa. Yeah, uh, the last hire wasn't exactly backlash-free. Yeah, and I think this one would be like viewed as more like more fondly. I mean, that's just because it's not Tony La Russa. Um, but, like, I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out with the White Sox um, just because, like, as I said, they're not afraid of getting backlash. I think Beltran, while it would get some backlash, I think it would be a I think that would be a step in the right direction for them. But ultimately with the White Sox, they need Rick Hahn to make this hire, not Jerry Reinsdorf, because that's what got him into trouble last time as Reinsdorf made it. 
now they need Rickon. Like they need to let Rickon do his job. I think Beltron could be an interesting hire too. I've, I've felt since the moment he lost that job in New York before he ever got a chance to show his stuff that he was the one most affected by the punishment for that scandal. Uh, AJ Hinch is back in the dugout. Alex Cora took a 60 game vacation in Puerto Rico and now he's back in the Red Sox dugout. Jeff Lou now, let's be honest, straw, like raise your hand if you really care if Jeff Lou now gets back in the game of baseball. Not me. Uh, Carlos Beltran is the guy who was able to make the most on-field impact who never got the chance to. Also, if the White Sox did that, they could they could conceivably go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer in the dugout. How weird is that? Extremely weird. Like, when's the last time that happened? Has it happened? Unless you count Cairo in between, who I don't think is going to make the Hall. But Beltran, I think, is going to probably make it as a player unless they hold the Astros scandal against him, which... Now that I'm talking in a circle, they might, but they might. I, I, I don't know how the Hall is going to handle that at all. No, me neither. But man, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good one. I haven't thought about that hypothetical, but I mean, it's a legit thought. I I don't know. You're going to get Yeah, if David Ortiz got in with his positive test, I feel like Jose Altuve will probably get in with his guilt by association, but. The Astros have run the PR campaign on Altuve. They're like, oh, he actually hated when we cheated. It's like, okay, maybe. But that narrative has already started. Like, you can see yeah. people forgiving Altuve. Uh, personally, I put – I don't want to have a Hall of Fame discussion. we got so much else to talk about. But I put Bonds, McGuire. I put them all in. And I certainly put Beltran. And for his 1.5 years with the Astros or whatever, get, get real. He, he's still in the Hall of Fame for me. No, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And I'll also – like, I'll say this. Obviously, like, this is the last thing I'll say about Hall of Fame stuff. But Altuve, like, as you said, that PR narrative is out there that, like, he was not involved and was against it. From everything that I've done with my reporting, that's accurate. He is, yeah. like, they've been adamant about it. Like, it was him, um, Josh Reddick, and there was another player. Um, I can't remember who it was, but, like, there was three of them that were pretty adamantly against it, um, and Altuve especially. That's yeah, and if that's what see if that seems to be true, which it certainly does seem to be true, that changes the calculus. It's not going to stop bleacher bums from chanting FL Tuve. They don't have to like him, but it does appear to be the case. Let's uh, let's also just wrap up the the conversation on the market. Um, I know you also wanted to talk about some other jobs that could be opening up that we haven't seen movement on yet. Uh, we know that there is going to be change in Miami. And there are some comments here about the, the Marlins job and the way they're going to handle their offseason. We talked about that a little bit uh, last episode in the episode prior to just sort of deciding that that was still too soon to pull the trigger. We didn't really know um, what direction they were going to be looking. Are there any other jobs you're eyeing that have not opened up yet? And do you have any other insight on that Marlins job that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, I'll start with the Marlins. I actually do not have insight on that one. Um, that is one that I'm still trying to dig. Uh, I mean, I've heard rumblings here and there, but like, I don't want to like share it without it being confirmed because yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the information or I'm in the business of uh, no information is better than worse information or misinformation. Yeah. I mean, so um, sorry about that, Joshua. Um, but so I I saw a tweet yesterday from Jeff Passan that there is going to be a managerial carousel, like a bunch of different moves that are going to be, be made here. So it's got me thinking and doing some digging or whatever. Uh, I don't, the pirates are, I don't think the pirates are going to fire Derek Sheldon. I can tell you that right now. I wondered about the reds um, maybe being a, a candidate there, but that would be kind of tough because they're just, they were never expected, expected to contend this year, especially after trading everybody and their mothers. Um the Rockies probably are not going to make a move because uh, they got Bud Black, and I think Bud Black would be hired in a second by by somebody. Um, Diamondbacks, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I'm going through the teams here as we speak. Um, the Nationals, I think, could make some sense. They went 55 and 107. Like, I mean, Davey Martinez, like, won a World Series there, but I know we've there's been a lot of different speculation about him being gone in like the last couple of years. So maybe yeah. um I think there's plenty of jobs that like make sense that could become available, but I don't know. I'm just I'm not sold, but like I'm yeah, I'm I wish I had more concrete answers there for you, Adam, but like just a 
a whole lot of uncertainty there right now. Basically, you could say, yeah, I don't know. The key, uncertainty is a keyword of baseball, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just very strange. But anyways, take it away. No, and I'll take the vibes here. Like, we have plenty of offseason to get into the nitty-gritty details. This is all vibes. I don't know how much longer you want to be Dave Martinez, who's had medical issues overseeing a 55-60 win team that never seems to move in the right direction. Like, he's got his World Series. Like, you sure you want to do that again? Um, and then the Diamondbacks, early offseason spoiler, I obviously am biased based on what I've watched lately, but I have them as a wildcard team next year. So uh, maybe change of leadership there would help. No, I certainly could. I mean, I, I think Tori Tor Lovello, like being here in Arizona, you can kind of get a vibe of of what the organization feels like with Tori Lovello. I, everything that I've heard is that they like him a lot, but mm-hmm. I certainly think they probably could go in a different direction. But that guy is universally loved throughout that organization, man. That would be a very difficult decision, even though some of the outside appear to be ready to like make that decision for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. And maybe it's another year because I do think the roster is in a very different place than it has been the past few years. And certainly even at the start of 2022, uh, yeah. maybe Tori gets 2023 and then we reevaluate if we have to. Um, yeah. But speaking of the wildcard teams that did make it, sorry to the Arizona Diamondbacks not included in this party. We've got four best of three series beginning tomorrow, Friday, bright and early. Sorry to the Guardians and Rays fan. I don't know how many Rays fans there are, but sorry to the Guardians and Rays fans. Did you just say Rays fan? Rays fan. I don't know how many Rays fans there are. There's at least one in that stadium every time I check it out. (laughs) Um, But that game is starting at noon in Cleveland uh, tomorrow on Friday. Uh, Goodness gracious. uh, Get Cleveland folks, get out to Harry Buffalo early. That's going to be a 9 a.m. ticket. Get your beers in. uh, Get your uh, Great Lakes Christmas ale. I don't know if that drops in October. But uh, get get beard up real good. Go to the ballpark. Uh, there's like a two o'clock game in there. Uh, let's let's start with the early game though. We're gonna preview all these series very briefly. Uh, you got Phillies, Cardinals, and Mariners, Blue Jays, and Padres, Mets are in the prime time spot. But let's talk Rays, Guardians. Um, where are you feeling on the eve of that series beginning? Youngest team in baseball. Guardians have been one of your favorites for weeks now. The Rays. Tyler Glass now is back, but how back is he? Shane McClanahan struggled lately. The Rays pitching doesn't seem quite as fearsome this year. And there's a difference between the 100-win Rays and the team that barely hung around the wildcard picture and sort of got in there in the bottom instead of uh, you know blowing away the AL East like they did last year. What's your early pre-first pitch vibe on this series? Yeah, I am leaning in the direction of the Guardians. Um, that is... I feel decent about it, um, about their chances here. I just think they're trending in a much different direction than the Rays are. Um, so I, I got the Guardians winning. Um, I think it was – I didn't predict games, but I had the Guardians winning, and I think their pitching um, is going to go a long way to, toward determining that. And I'm just not confident um, in the Rays' offense to be able to overcome that kind of matchup. What do you got? I have the Guardians too, and I think that I have them in three. If I'm going to be held, you know, feet to the fire here on games, I haven't seen enough glass now to know. I know he's got the electric stuff. I know that hasn't gone anywhere, but he's barely built up. McClanahan has not been first half Cy Young McClanahan for most of the second half. He's gotten pulled from at least two starts with the same shoulder issue. Uh, so we shall see, but it's not like the guardians lack for pitching they're a pitching factory. No. They've still got Shane Bieber topping the rotation. Tristan McKenzie is rounding into form. I don't know. And again, the home, the home field advantage are on their own turf for however long this series goes, you're playing it in Cleveland. Uh, you don't have the trop. You don't have the roof. You don't have the opaque, opaque ceiling where balls are hitting off rings and going for singles and home runs are turning into pop-outs. You don't have any of those unique home field advantages. You just have the Cleveland crowd. Now, how engaged will they be at noon? I'm not sure. Uh, does the uh, There's been some residual discomfort in Cleveland. The name change, yikes. Uh, ownership not spending, people not being in love with the younger Guardians yet. I don't know if that crowd is as enthusiastic now as it was in 2016, but you're right. The Rays just don't hit the way they used to. And it's led to 
you're already hearing some like Brandon Lau trade rumors. He he's not in this series, is he? He's not healthy. I don't think so. I actually have not heard that Brandon Lauer trade rumors yet because I've been kind of disconnected from that publicly at least. But boy, I, I, trades, I love trade rumor season, man. That's the most wonderful time of the year. And I, nobody yeah. trades like the Rays. So, uh, I mean, no Lau for this series. That is confirmed. No Shane Baz. Uh, and as many of the weapons too. that the Rays thought they were going into with, they, they don't have. Yeah, that's a, a battered and bruised team going in. That uh, that's going to be problematic. And I, I'm glad you ended up mentioning the Guardians as their pitching factory. Um, it's pretty remarkable what they've been able to do. Like it's insane. I, as, as I like, um, so as I've said in previous podcast episodes, I'm an, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and their GM called themselves a quarterback factory after drafting Carson Wentz and and Jalen Hurts, which I mean that looked completely stupid, um, but the Guardians, like they're legitimately a pitching factory. Um, I mean, think of all the pitchers that they've had in recent years. They got what Bieber, Trevor Bauer, your favorite, um, my guy, Mike Clevenger, <laughs> Tristan McKenzie. I mean, there's there's others in there. I'm not naming two, but like, it's just basically constant, Adam. And oh, Carlos Carrasco is another one. Um, Plesac, yeah, Zach Plesac. I mean, and I mean, all these guys are homegrown for the most part. Um, it's just, it's impressive. That's exactly what the the Kansas City Royals want to be. That's why they drafted all those pitchers a couple of years ago, is they wanted to be a, a factory or a pitching factory like that. And as the Royals' struggles have underscored, easier said than done. Um, yeah. So props to Cleveland for that. Here's something that legitimately shocked me before we move on to the next series, which is probably my favorite of the whole slate. Whose pitching line is this for the season? Oh, boy. 15 and five. Like I know record isn't what it used to be, but 15 and five. Yep. 3.380 ERA, 32 starts, durable, 186 in the third innings, only 128 strikeouts. What a weird year. Who is that? Oh, boy. Yeah. Like I had an idea at the start, then you dropped the strikeouts. Why can't I think of this? Who is it? Cal Quantrill. Who I is guess it? is going to start Diego game three. Legend. Yeah, I, I legitimately, I knew he had made himself a part of the Guardians mix. I did not know he was 15 and five. I did not know he made 32 starts this year. I would have thought both those numbers were much lower, but that Cleveland pitching factory just keeps on going. Yeah, I was trying to think of a Guardians pitcher off the top of my head. And like each one that I was running through, like, I mean, it, it didn't fit that description. I wouldn't have gotten Cal Quantrill. Like, that's what the, what the heck, man? I, yeah. Anyway, if I was, if I was a team and the Guardians call me about some pitching, um, I'd be very hesitant, and I'd wonder what the heck do these guys know that we don't. Um, that's kind of like how it is dealing with the raisin trade talks. It's like, what do these guys know? The Guardians in pitching, I think that should end up being considered the next thing here. So yeah, this yeah. is a series between the two teams that you you don't want to trade with at this juncture. You wonder why why are they going after my guy? Is it so yeah. he can start in a best of three wild card series? You know what? I think we just came up with a new narrative for this series. It's like we're the battle of the teams you don't want to trade with. That's like, yeah, I'm telling you, we need to like headline that. We need to trademark that, Adam. These guys call you, you hang up the phone. Yeah, it fits on a t-shirt, um, especially <laughs> since, and since you're not going to Tropicana Field ever, that means there will be fans there to purchase the shirt. Sorry, another unnecessary dig probably. <laughs> um, everything I've heard about that stadium from other fellow ball riders, like primo. Very really? Cool. Truly. The Trop. The Trop. Like that, the same one, the Tampa Bay Rays Stadium. By the way, they need to call, why don't they call themselves the Devil Rays anymore, Adam? I liked that. Same year. I mean, that's cool. I like, I'm all over that, like a bag of chips. Like, that's and, awesome. <laughs> is that a phrase? I don't know. I just came up with it. It's, it seemed like the right thing to say. I'm all over that phrase, like a bag of chips. I, yeah. they, they wear the Devil Rays throwbacks all the time. They, they, the 20th anniversary, they wore them. They wore them like they wore them in Durham at AAA this year. They wear them constantly. Just be that again. Yeah. We all want it. Yeah, we we need to hit up uh, Stu Sternberg and get him to go on on that. So um, yeah. I don't have his number, but boy, okay. Actually, Mark Paul, question from him: Burt Food Ticker chips good? They're not good. They're not. I don't think they're good either. They're great. Oh no! Oh, oh I just destroyed you, Adam. Get absolutely piped. Notice why did I agree with you when you were clearly still talking? I don't know. Um, I think yeah. Mark Powell, I think tortilla chips 
great. Chips, fine. See, give me kettle cooked, salt and vinegar, um, jalapeno. Um, I mean, bar- barbecue chips are also good, pretty good too. Although I think they're number three on that list. But give me anything kettle cooked. And yeah, they don't stand a chance. They kettle they cooked bread. over the thin ones for sure. But you ever eat a bag of chips without a napkin? You're just rubbing your fingers on the mylar plastic bag. What does that do? You got to lick them, and then what? Where does that leave you? That's true. Although I mean, if you have like Cheeto fingers, pretty good. Even though I don't eat cheese, but like I mean, Cheeto fingers, you can't go wrong with that. Man. Cheeto yeah, fingers, barbecue wrong. chip fingers, Cheeto fingers can't go wrong. Oh baby, yeah, I'm all over it. It's We're good. counting it up. So Bert won nothing over me, and again. This is a baseball podcast called the Baseball Insiders. That scoreboard <laughs> has nothing to do with the Guardians Rays pick we just made. It is yeah, exclusively it about chips. I think it does. Uh, we're we're officially kind. Con- Kurt's the official uh, scorekeeper of the Baseball Insiders. So yeah, thank Kurt, you. keep it going because we're moving on to Philly, St. Louis. And I tell you what, that's a, that's a two o'clock game in the Lou tomorrow. Saying goodbye to legends. Uh, nice and early game for Yadi Molina, Adam Wainwright, uh, Albert Pujols. Their bodies might not work so well in the evening anymore, but they certainly get out of that game in time to get the early bird special toasted ravioli up on the hill. Um, I I tell you what, I had the Cardinals. We talked about the Cardinals a lot. I've been hammering the Cardinals for weeks. I got money on the Cardinals in the World Series, not just this series. But then oh, I know where this is going. Then they announced the starting pitchers for games one and two. Bert, Jose Quintana game one, Miles Michaelis game two, Jordan Montgomery not getting a guaranteed start. Jack Flaherty, bullpen. Adam Wainwright, bullpen. Apparently all three of those guys who aren't getting starts are available out of the pen in game one. Good strategy, but gosh almighty. Jose Quintana and Miles Michaelis game one and two. Are we underestimating the Phillies here? I I do think people are underestimating the Phillies. Um, I mean, if you look at that offense, especially Kyle Schwarber, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, and they can hit for power. Like Schwarber, I, I was telling somebody this pretty recently. I think Kyle Schwarber has the most aesthetically pleasing home run in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I watch it. It's just like, yeah, that's sick. Um, but the big concern I have with the Phillies right now is how much are they, they going to get out of Zach Wheeler. And he's made three starts since coming off the injury list with, I believe it was forearm tendonitis. Um, and he's ranged anywhere from 58 to 77 pitches. He hasn't pitched any more than that since he returned. And I'm wondering just how much are they going to get out of Zach Wheeler um, before they have to hand it off to their bullpen. And as you know with the Phillies, that is a very, 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 very scary thought. I mean, granted, they've had some pretty like strong performances uh, since the deadline. Um, so, I mean, it's not as bad as it once was. But bullpen in Philadelphia does not exactly mix. So even though the Cardinals have, have shaken up the rotation a little bit uh, with Quintana going game one and then um, uh, Miles Michael is going game two, I still have them winning. Um, and, I mean, actually, so I, I'm going to continue to rant if you, if you don't mind. I don't cool. mind. Oh, well, let's go. Okay, so the Cardinals, like – Adam Wainwright has been dealing with dead arm for a good six weeks or so um, and not pitching him in this series and then potentially saving him for the next series, which would come against the Atlanta Braves uh, could end up working in their favor, uh, getting him some more rest like that. Um, obviously it's risky um, because you're risking him not pitching again this season, but I do. And the closest thought up. So we've seen the Cardinals announce this being, Yadier Molina's last season. We have seen them announce that this is Albert Pujols' last season, but they have left Adam Wainwright out of each of those and like throughout like the last couple months. And I'm wondering, does that mean that Wainwright is considering coming back? I don't know. We'll see. But for now, they're not they're not pitching game, games one or two out of the or as a starter. Yeah, I I secretly think he's coming back too and i would say like well unlike those other guys he's clearly got more left to give Pujols could clearly go another season too at this point like he's got aaron judge type numbers in the second half like if you manage him right you put him in a comfortable environment he can still crush um i i think we'll see wayne right i think you're right we'll probably hold him for the next series best case scenario jack flaherty hasn't exactly been jack flaherty since he's come back from injury either so it probably makes sense keeping the bullpen 
it's just jarring to see it laid out like that. That said, the Phillies bullpen, you're right, has been better. David Robertson has been slipping a little bit lately. I was in Philadelphia this week. The newspaper article about the clinch had far too much left up to the imagination. It was a lot of like, if this, if this, if Sir Anthony Dominguez looks like the dominant reliever he has been in the past, if Robertson shakes off the walks that he's, you know, I I mean, at this point, the bullpen is Jose Alvarado, who's been incredible, and then a bunch of floating question marks. They really wish they had Hector Neris back, I'm sure. And of all the teams that have rallied against bullpens in the past, how many times have the St. Louis Cardinals done that in important games? All these games are going to be on the Cardinals' home turf. So I think we're underestimating the Phillies a little bit, but not enough. I'm still going Cardinals. I think the Phillies get a win, and I hate to do this. I think the way the Phillies exit this series is very painful for Philadelphia fans. I think there's a close game with potentially a late lead that does not end in the win column. If that if that happens and the Phillies blow a late lead, I'm going to predict it's either Tommy Edmond or Brendan Donovan who get that hit for the Cardinals. I think those are the two guys that just ooze the next David Freeze. A bases loaded, one out, four three in the ninth for Newt Bar. Oh God, dude! Wait, did I wait? Did I tell you about my autocorrect with him? Yeah, Toot Bar. Yeah, Toot Bar. Yeah, I was every single time I hear his name, I think of Toot Bar. So yeah, I don't know. That's just. God, what a name. Lars Newtbar, an absolute legend. A bases loaded, big, strong toot from Lars against Sir Anthony Dominguez. And that series marches on. Time passes. 4.07 tomorrow. If you're not excited enough by the Phillies game, if the middle innings there are keeping you down, feel free to tune over to Toronto uh, on ESPN. Watch Seattle and Toronto go at it. That's Luis Castillo in the opener for the Mariners on the road in Canada. Uh, vaccine rules lifted. So I guess that means Robbie Ray can pitch. Um, but that's a hell of a series right there. And it's possible nobody's going in with more of a narrative advantage than the Mariners, whose fans, they've broken the playoff drought, and they would love a home game or two in the ALDS. Where are you leaning on that series? Give me the Blue Jays. Um, Bang. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Seattle fans. A lot like these teams are – super evenly like matched. Like if you look at their numbers throughout the regular season, they're pretty dang close. Um, but a lot of this prediction, because like this was one that I truly, it was a toss up. Um, they're also very kind of the maintenance guys at my apartment complex to be using the leaf blower right now. So thank you for that. Do they um, have any picks? Yeah. Mariners, Jays, where they lean in. Yeah. They, I think the leaf blower just said Jays too. The maple leaf that's blowing maple leaves at the screen. Well, that's got. I'm telling you, that's got to be an omen. That's got to be. But um, that uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um, but this was one that was like a, it was a coin flip for me because um, I think it could go in either direction. But I had the Blue Jays representing the American League in the World Series going in, so I feel like I gotta like take them to at least win one series, mm-hmm. um, even though there's absolutely no logic to that whatsoever. Um, so just give me the Blue Jays in this one, but. I'm not confident in that. I'm kind of confident. I think the Blue Jays take it in two. I think uh, Castillo has not quite been Castillo lately. Uh, His last five starts, five and two-thirds against the White Sox, six runs, three earned, Uh, six shutout innings against the Padres, nicely done, four and two-thirds, four earned against Oakland with two walks, five and a third, five earned in that dreadful game at Kansas City. And then another six innings, uh, one run against the A's to wrap his season. But that's not the Luis Castillo we've we've watched for so long. Uh, Luis Castillo, not a lot of playoff pedigree. The empty stadium ALD, NLDS with the Braves in 2020. Give me the Blue Jays and give me the Blue Jays quickly. I think the Mariners have broken the drought. I think there are great things ahead for Seattle. Not this season. Uh, and the final matchup of this first weekend your San Diego Padres. I don't know if your San Diego Padres is fair, but obviously you got uh, fellas on that team who you care about. That is an exciting and interesting team. The team that made you eat a shoe. Do you have any ill will against the San Diego Padres as they embark on a two-game, three-game maximum uh, battle with the New York Mets in Flushing, Queens, in a city where the fans are uh, bummed out by what they perceive to be a choke? Advantage Padres or are the Mets going to take care of business here? 
sorry, Padres fans. Um, I have the Mets taking care of business here. And they, uh, the Mets, I mean, if you look at their rotation for this series, they're, they got Max Scherzer going game one. And then Joel Sherman of the New York Post dropped it yesterday that they're considering using Chris Bassett for game two and then saving Jacob deGrom um, for a potential game one of the NLDS against the Dodgers. They're, so they're clearly looking ahead here. They're trying to game plan for that. I do think my pick would have been different, or it would have at least been more difficult had Fernando Tatis Jr. not been suspended. Um, but I, I just think that the Mets are the more talented team here and that they're going to end up getting the job done. Um, and it's going to end up or it's going to end up starting a yet another offseason full of questions for the Padres and how they're going to get better. Um, Cause yeah, they like, they're a very, very, very talented team, um, but they're not without their flaws mm-hmm. and they could certainly be deeper in some different areas. And um, I'm very curious to see what that offseason for them looks like. Cause I know Will Holder asked that question of like, what the Padres could do here with Tatis, with Trent Grisham, and there was another player in there too. I can't remember what his question was. Him, the shortstop situation, yeah. Exactly, and like that's something that the Padres need to figure out too is like are they going to have Tatis stay at shortstop or are they going to put him in the outfield? Um, I think that answer is going to be more likely than not at shortstop just because Tatis had that shoulder surgery um, and he should be 100% for next year. So I think that's probably what we're looking at now. Um but man, what uh, that's that's tough, man. Because he's not even going to be available for the start of next year, too. Because uh, they'll be suspended. It's just that's so unfortunate for them. Because that was, I mean, that was a kick to the nuts. Um, after getting Juan Soto, you, you lose Tatis because of a PED suspension. I know, like it was an accident, but still, it happened. And now the Padres and Tatis are paying the consequences for it. So give me the give me the Mets here. Yeah. It is unfortunate. It's unbelievable how much the Padres have dominated the headlines only to not dominate on the field. I have the Mets as well, and I think I have the Mets in three. I think uh, Max Scherzer is going to take care of business. I think they do go Bassett. I think he struggles, and I think Jacob deGrom saves the day in game three. Uh, the one reason why Met fans should be a little bit nervous about this, no need to, can't overlook it, you Darvish against the Mets this year Two starts. It's not often that the West Coast, East Coast rivals get the same pitcher twice in a year. Two starts, 2-0, 0.64 ERA, 14 innings, six hits. No homers, one walk. Wow. And 15 strikeouts. He did hit three Mets, which is weird. So I guess those are walks. But, folks, he's, he's kind of uh, – he, he's got the Mets number a little bit. So Max Scherzer's not going to be able to coast in this opener. He's going to have to pitch game one like the Bulldog we know he is. I think the Mets win a tight one. I think the Mets lose a blowout. I think the Mets get it all together and win game three and move on to Los Angeles. I think that's certainly fair. And also going back to what you're what you said about the um, about you Darvish hitting three Mets players, it felt like every other highlight I watched of the Mets was a player getting hit by a pitch. It was really strange. Like I don't know if I ever remember something quite like that, but like it just it just felt that way. It's a whole team made out of Anthony Rizzo's. They're stealing the Yankees' strategy from across town yet again. I see you, Mets. I see what you're doing. Jeez, that God. is uh, that's all the time we have today on the Baseball Insiders playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs kidding are here. Playoffs. Are you kidding me? And, and when we get back on Monday, we'll be uh, one series richer. We'll know exactly what happened in the wild card. Tuesday. Tuesday, folks. So sorry. Uh, Tuesday with a holiday uh, on Monday. Everybody celebrate that holiday. Take your time off. Uh, but we'll be back on Tuesday. And when we come back, uh, the DSs will be starting. The wild card sets will be donezo. And we'll know much more about the field. Uh, we'll be able to talk about rosters, talk about who's left off, who made it, all these machinations. And the matchups get even more serious as the World Series approaches. Robert, thanks as always. Uh, how are you spending this wild card weekend? I will be firmly planted on my couch watching these baseball games and then preparing for some travel throughout the postseason. So let's uh, let's get weird. And uh, hopefully we can bring you some very exclusive content to the Baseball Insiders and also to Fansided.com. Also, Adam, um, are you subscribed to the Baseball Insiders? I personally 
am subscribed, but I know there are some people out there who are not. Do, do you have a message for them? If you can please subscribe, that would be absolutely wonderful. It would make my day, it would make Adam's day, it would make Michael Zach's day, it would make Sean Daly's day, it would make all of our days. Um, so if you could please hit that button, it takes two seconds. Uh, we really appreciate that. Everybody in the private chat right now absolutely dancing around so excited uh, at the thought of subscribing. Uh, if you guys want to unsubscribe and resubscribe, you can join the party. But everybody else who's not yet subscribed, please hit the feed. Plenty of content coming for you all season long, off season long, postseason. You name it. You name the Monday or Tuesday or Thursday. Uh, Monday and Thursday pending holidays. You name the day we're going to be here talking about baseball. Uh, on behalf of Robert Murray, the greatest of all time, our GOAT, I'm Adam Weinerb, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Let's go play. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.